0: Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. With me, your host, Anna Gammons, this is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present in order to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. Our theme this week is designing environments and I will be speaking to interior designer Danielle Taylor about her approach to designing spaces. But before that, I am going to be talking a little bit about the palace designed to put all other palaces to shame I'll give you a clue it's in Versailles hint hint So I wanted to talk about the Palace of Versailles, as it is one of the most ostentatious examples of architecture and interior design. I was lucky enough to visit the palace a few years ago with my family, and it is by far the most decadent example of royal architecture on the inside and also from the outside. It took hours and hours to walk around this palace, and the gardens are so big that you need a buggy to get around them. It's very obnoxious. You think Buckingham Palace is impressive, but my goodness. this this palace is huge. Um, So a little bit about the palace itself. Well, it was the principal royal residence of France from 1682 under Louis XIV until the start of the French Revolution in 1789, where everybody got beheaded and kicked out of the palace. Um, And that was under Louis XVI. And it's located 12 miles southwest of Paris. Now, the palace is kind of a complex of over 2,300 rooms, which gives you some insight into just how huge this palace is it includes buildings apartments and a huge span of gardens as well as i said the gardens are incredibly impressive and incredibly huge you honestly you could cover them in a few days i think if you wanted to see every single um section of them they are absolutely massive but The palace was essentially the vision of Louis XIV who wanted a residence to reflect the power and prestige of the absolute monarchy in France at the time. So the palace was kind of designed on the site of a hunting lodge um, and it was originally kind of a small very low key space and gradually from the 1660s the lodge was transformed into a chateau that was kind of added to and expanded and expanded into the magnificent palace that we see today over the years and it boasts two Italian style grottos I don't even know what quite what that is I'm sure I saw them but a grotto I mean I'm assuming that's kind of like a big beautiful impressive room but um, and an orangery to house fruit trees not just any trees specifically for fruit trees there is a zoo there is a chapel there is an opera theatre just to name a few things that this palace has to offer Um, and the courtyard is a really good example of how this sort of outward aesthetic reflects the power structures in France because each different courtyard of which there are three basically can be accessed by different members of society depending on what rank you are so the closer to the palace you get the more kind of higher up you have to be in the hierarchy to be able to kind of access that area. So how was the palace designed for the king? Well the main floor of the palace was as I said the expanded chateau and it consisted of two symmetrical sets of apartments separated by a marble corridor one was for the king and the other was for the queen which makes a lot of sense Um, and they were at the very very centre of the the palace overlooking the grand gardens and each set of apartments has seven different functional rooms so there's a vestibule a room for the guards there's an antechamber a chamber a large cabinet or office a smaller bedroom and a smaller cabinet so fairly big um, apartments Um, on the ground floor under the Queen's apartment is where the heir to the throne resided but the space directly under the King's apartment was used for his private life and was designed in a very specific way to honour the sun god Apollo so he was the Roman god um, of the sun <laughs> who Louis XIV believed was his personal emblem um, as I said this palace is very ostentatious and um, Louis XIV definitely had a grandiose perception of himself and it eventually led to him being known as the sun king so this kind of further demonstrates um with the location of the chambers at the very very center um just as the sun sets in the solar system and kind of is the center of all activity so too louis placed himself at the very center of this sort of geometric web that makes up the palace and its grounds and again reflects the kind of power of the monarchy and how louis just kind of wanted to be the center of quite literally his own universe in france um, and the rest of the world too now the hall of mirrors which you may have heard of is probably the most famous addition to the palace and it came between 1678 and 1715 when it was installed um, in place of that marble corridor that I talked about at the beginning that kind of connects the king's and the queen's apartments Um, and it then took over that area and it is part of the Grand Gallery, which was a set of three very, very elaborately decorated rooms that sort of celebrated the political and military prestige of Louis Fourteenth, and kind of used for sort of important ceremonies and celebrations and receptions. Um, he was all about kind of ceremonies and celebrating um, himself. Um, <laughs> if I haven't made that clear, he's all about Louis XIV, Is all about Louis XIV. Um, but it is perhaps the most lavish example of interior design that i have ever seen the hall of mirrors um there are 24 crystal chandeliers and honestly you don't know where to look when you walk in it is like there is light everywhere there are paintings everywhere it's kind of a sensory overload um there are 30 hand-painted scenes of louis XIV on the walls and the ceiling and in order to protect them there are very very few candles so this is kind of the backstory as to why there are mirrors there in the first place because to protect the paintings very few candles little light so that meant that the little lights that were there if you use mirrors you can then reflect the light around the room and then illuminate not only that corridor but the kind of the rest of the palace as well so it's actually quite a clever um, way of protecting not only the paintings but also making kind of use of the little light that they did have Um, but as I said it was the location for or masked balls and also the daily ceremony of the king, get this, walking from his apartments to the chapel in the morning, watched by his courtiers. So, this is a place where people would come to kind of gawk at the king, and he lapped up every single minute of it. Um, now, the ambassador staircase that leads to the king's apartments is the very, very official grand entrance to the chateau and was a major, major feature of the of the palace itself it kind of acts as almost I like to kind of see it as a metonym for the wider narrative of kind of power um, displayed at the palace and it was kind of designed to impress and intimidate foreign dignitaries and it displays allegories of the four parts of the world um, and kind of shows depictions of people visiting the palace and also many many images of Louis XIV doing very grand and kingly like things Um, and also as as I mentioned before Louis XIV is kind of, compa- of conveying his ultimate and divine power in the centre of the world. And this is done using allegories of the 12 months of the year, as well as the corners of the world. He's sort of saying, I am the centre of time and existence and kind of the centre of the world um, in essence. Now, I talked a little bit about the gardens at the beginning they are quite something to behold. They were renovated from the 1660s and are basically um, a kind of an array of fountains and canals and stairways. There are terraces, there are ponds, anything you could possibly think you could put in a garden to make it more lavish. This place has millions of, okay, millions is a bit of an exaggeration. It has hundreds of them. Um, and it's kind of, it was laid out by André Lenot, who was the designer of the gardens. Um, and it was an Italian style of garden that was used um which has a very very tight composition essentially um and it's very geometric and this also had a kind of um symbolic um, resonance as well which was to kind of convey the new order of the French state so it's kind of saying look we we've kind of constructed these very geometric and sharp gardens in order to kind of display our competence as a nation politically um, economically and socially Um, so the gardens kind of became a backdrop for the palace festivities and are represented kind of the connection between architecture and celebration it was very very common in the baroque period my personal favorite um, fountain was the chariot of apollo again the sun god who we know that louis the 14th believes was his kind of um personal emblem um and it kind of rises directly um in front of the palace it looks absolutely stunning um and kind of this is the sort of central piece of the garden and um, there's also a little hamlet as well which is <laughs> really fascinating The Marianne Antoinette. It was built for her. She was the wife of Louis XVI. Um, and it's sort of like it's kind of a complex of buildings built in the Normandy style. Um, that's like a little village almost for her to go when she was kind of sick and tired of being a queen. <laughs> um, so she would kind of go to uh, chill out in this little village Um that they'd created if she wanted to play peasantry and pretend that she wasn't as obnoxiously rich as she was. Um, so that's quite fun. And then in 1830, the entire palace under the reign of King Louis-Philippe, after the monarchy was kind of reinstated um, for a short time, was turned into a gallery. So it has some of the most stunning art in there. Um, it's got the kind of, the coronation room contains a very famous painting of Napoleon I by Jacques-Louis David. Um, it is huge. Um, he's kind of wearing his royal regalia alien looking very very fancy um, many paintings were taken from the Louvre as well um, and to this day um, the legacy of Versailles is kind of much of the reason that France is still the centre of the world's art scene um, and in every turn we see this magnificent decadent palace designed to reflect the ultimate power and authority of France and its kings. It is slightly ironic though that all the money that Louis XIV and the others that followed him threw at this palace in order to show power wealth and status um, increased the taxes so much that it banked corrupted much of France and eventually led to the overall demise of the monarchy. Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. I hope you enjoyed my brief insight into some of the lavish design features. Now I caught up with interior designer Danielle Taylor, who tells us about her approach to design... Danielle Taylor, who is an interior designer. Um, should we start from the beginning? How did you become an interior designer?
1: Yes, yeah, so I became an interior designer because I did textile design at Birmingham City. Right. Um, and then after that, I soon realised that I didn't want to do textile design yeah. at all. <laughs> okay. but I wanted to keep in with the design side of things, and I realised that interior design would be a good thing for me. Yes, a good like, fusion so, of what you were doing. And yeah, what you and do. I realised I was actually really interested in that. Interesting. So like, um, I've sort of found interior design at the moment seems to be
0: kind of stepping into the limelight a little bit recently. There's been a lot of, I think probably living in London, there's been a lot of um, new designers have cropped up to kind of make most of smaller spacing in London. Like, yeah. There's a few things. So, um, but I think that's so great. And our kind of homes and living spaces, I would say seem to be very much or hopefully an extension of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and if we're sort of fortunate enough, um, we can kind of design our own environment in a way, which is kind of the angle I wanted to sort of take talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of looking at art and interior design, what would you say the link is between the two, or would you say they're sort of the same thing?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I think they are kind of the same thing. I think that... Um, Art's really important within interior design and it can be sort of exhibited in various ways. Mm-hmm. It can sort of be... An, an interior design scheme can actually be a piece of art. I yes. think I think people look at an interior design scheme and they think that when they've completed it, it's a piece of art just within itself. Mm-hmm. But obviously... Um, artwork is art yeah there's (laughs) art within the the big overall art kind of
0: installation almost
1: isn't there yeah yeah. sculpture and things yeah but even things like chairs I was thinking about this the other day like sometimes you have there's a chair that you pick because it is more like a sculpture than Mm -hmm. a chair yeah and just the way that it's been placed in the room and Mm -hmm. um how it sits within the scheme itself can be a piece of art, I'd yeah. say, and it kind of sets off the overall aesthetic
0: as well. Like, yeah. it is funny because I, I, would, I when I've seen like rooms and um, like specifically designed um, spaces, they do look like art in themselves. Like, you walk mm. into them and you feel like you're kind of walking into like um, uh, <laughs> an a, a, exhibition. Yeah, almost, yeah, a, like exactly. A of
1: different things, exactly. And, so they're yeah. kind of like so sort of like one and the same, I guess. Kind of, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Um, um, going back to the chair. I think that the aesthetics are not the primary function of a chair, but the yeah. design and the workmanship can often like form a sculpture-like piece. Yeah, yeah. Art just doesn't have to be a piece of art on the wall, mm. although often it is lovely to have that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Just sure. <laughs> be careful what I'm saying when I'm speaking to an artist. <laughs> not at all. I'm not biased. <laughs> but um, things like bespoke rugs or hand painted wallpaper or even yes. digitally printed wallpaper. Or um, sometimes you have artists that come in and they paint a mural on the wall and that kind of thing. Yeah, like
0: as um, in that like, it is literally on the wall. Like there's no, ba- It's the wall yeah. is the art. Like you've actually yeah. painted directly on the wall. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen that in like children's bedrooms and things like that. Mm. Sometimes people paint like a, like a fairy tale scene or something cool like that. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess in that sense, the space is quite literally the piece of art. Like mm. there's no difference at all. We've sort of talked about this a little bit already, but how is artwork used in the interior design process like do you kind of base it on a piece of art or do you install art after it's sort of
1: finished the space or like how does it what's the interaction there I think it can be both I think different designers do it differently like some designers they'll start they'll literally just start with a piece of art and they'll use that as a concept Mm. and they'll take like the colors and the shapes and the kind of overall feel that they've gained from looking at that piece of art and yeah. that will form the concept and sort of the base for the rest of the interior design yeah. scheme. Yeah,
0: like an inspiration like, um, yeah.
1: okay, almost like, like the inspiration, inspiration kind of... basically and it all just sort of comes from that. Yeah.
0: But then nice. the
1: other thing um, which I tend to do is um, bring the art in at the end and it kind of like fills the gaps mm, so sure. say you've got all the soft furnishings and things and all the colours but yes. then say you're missing like some drama or say you need to mute it down mm-hmm. or something and then you can source art based on the kind of things yeah. that you need to sort of complete the scheme. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it can be both ways, really. Yeah. It's That's quite a fun thing to do at the end of the project when sure. you haven't designed for so long and then you can, because you've been sort of project managing, mm. and then you, um, you get to source some lovely pieces of art. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, where, where do you source them? Like, is there specific everywhere. places you go? I, I found so many places. Really? Just from, just from looking online, but mm-hmm. obviously it's lovely to get out and about. But um, Sure don't really get to see that. that no, no, that no. Often. I
0: imagine like primarily online is really helpful mm. and then um, hopefully it looks exactly the same as when you've seen it on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> it looks. <laughs> so open. like curating artwork for a home is as we've kind of talked about, a huge part of designing the overall space. Um what do you think the overall impact is for the client of having that artwork there?
1: I think sometimes it's a shame almost if you're sourcing art for the client because art can I think everybody would probably agree. It can kind of remind you of like where you bought it from or it can remind you of like a milestone in so your personal, life. Yeah. Or like an achievement or... I think sometimes it's nice to just work with the art that the client already has, but then obviously yes, for like the living room or something, you might need a main piece that is going to bring the scheme together. Yes, but, um, Yeah. Do you think that,
0: does a client kind of ask you for, because as you said, like art's very, very personal. Mm. Does a client say, oh, um, you know, I trust you with kind of your taste. Um, Do they ever do that? And you kind of feel like, oh, I hope I'm guessing the right (laughs) thing. This is so hard to choose for really personal
1: work. That often happens with interior design. You end up having to sort of read between the lines a bit. Some of your clients don't necessarily have time to be on the other end of the phone a lot sort of discussing sure. with you what you want you kind of have yes, to yeah. ask all the right questions at the beginning and yeah, hope yeah, you yeah. get it right and then yeah. when you when you um propose it to them you'll obviously have a few options so hopefully yeah. they're like something yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. so you're like an art buyer and a designer and like you've got to be so
1: intuitive as well like and uh that's really tricky There's to so many different areas but then that's why you obviously get advice from sometimes you can just send pictures of the, the scheme as it is to like Someone in a gallery, gallery, yes. and they can advise. Oh, um, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah just, just that's getting help from everybody along, like sure. different people that are professional within mm. what they do. Mm-hmm. So, what
0: is your approach? You, you know, you've been given a brief. Um, what is your approach to designing a space? Where do you kind of start? What's your
1: so I would usually start by forming a really strong concept at the beginning. Right. And the concept is just pictures of just images, like mood images, really. Like yes. Sort of look and feel images that show you colour, mm-hmm. um, just the feel of the space, you know, materiality, um, furniture. Yes. It's like a massive combination of everything that you want the room to be when it finishes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's... What I would do, but as we were talking about earlier, like, some people just start with art, and that kind of forms that and initial concept. That. Yeah. yeah. Are you thinking about, like,
0: different work, like, you want it to be
1: calm or relax? Or are you thinking yeah. about Is specifically, that that? like, oh, okay, so you're thinking about the mood of it as, as yeah. well as the visual, visuals. Yeah, you'd be thinking about patterns, you'd be thinking, I want it to be quite linear, or do you want it to be more florally, okay. or do you want it to be more natural? Or, you know, do they like synthetic colours? Do they like natural yeah. colours? There's so many elements that can come into it. Yeah, and like you know the period concept. of um, furniture that they're into and yeah, everything and you, you you form this really strong concept anyway. And then you um, can kind of like from that, I guess that take... informs everything. You have to keep referring back to that otherwise sometimes you can go on off often a bit of a tangent. I think. Yeah, 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 for but, sure. Um, yeah, if you've got this really strong concept, then that just ensures that the overall design is coherent and yes. um yeah, everything, just you draw ideas from that, just even for, like, patterns and things. So if you find a really cool piece of artwork that's in your concept at the beginning, yeah. that might inspire a pattern for um, a bespoke rug or yeah. um, wallpaper or anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a great way to start yeah
0: <laughs> and really good that you've kind of got like it's almost like a visual map of like exactly that's the feel, exactly the, feel of the feel of the place and I guess you yeah. get a sense when you're looking at that kind of board of ideas of the feeling of it and then when you kind of come into contact with something that seems appropriate you'll kind of hopefully it will relate back to that and you'll be yeah. like oh, this gives me those vibes or like that makes yeah. me feel this way or um... and then that way
1: as well you know that the client's happy as well because mm. if the client loves this overall feel that's what you're going to make yeah now in in an interior setting absolutely so, do you find abstract imagery easy to work with? Or? Yeah, I prefer it to be quite abstract because then it kind of, you can get quite interesting ideas and unusual ideas from just using abstract imagery. Yeah. Um, I think I told you I've just started a new Instagram page, yes, which is basically going have. to be a continual feed of abstract imagery. Yes, Which yes. would um, kind of be how I would do a concept for a client mm-hmm. but I feel like I've got so many ideas and so many routes to sort of explore which I don't get to do enough at yeah. work because a lot of a lot of interior design is quite boring a lot of it's you're confined <laughs> well because you're I guess you're like <laughs> confined
0: to kind of create like you have your own parameters don't you yeah. you're like specific to a client so this is your way of being like these are kind of my own sort of um my sort of stream of consciousness, like my, yes. my thoughts as well. Also, I like the fact that with abstract imagery, you can be very, you can, you can kind of place meaning in it
1: and find the meaning in it. It's sometimes mm. not all that obvious. That's exactly what it is. Which actually. is quite nice. That's a good way of explaining it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, started this new Instagram. Yes. And what's it called? called? It's called Grow Unfold. Okay. So it's, awesome. It's a bit of an unusual name, but it's basically to show that ideas will grow and then as they grow and progress they unfold yes (laughs) no I like that
0: I like that that's exactly what um when yeah when you first told me about it that's exactly kind of what I assumed you were talking about Mm. but I like that because it's kind of showing the progression of an idea and the evolution of an idea which is kind of basically a way of saying when you start from a concept and then the finished piece of artwork and the space that you've designed is very much a process which is kind of like what you're saying with that which I love (laughs) um so what are some of the kind of, you know, I just mentioned, like, we're kind of what you're working in a parameter. What are the, some of the technicalities you have to bear in mind when you're designing a space for an individual or mm. clients?
1: So a lot of it, obviously, like, I'd probably say the main important thing is actually the room circulation and the layout of the room. OK, interesting. So because when you, I'm sure everybody knows that when you walk into a space you get a certain feel from it. And if the chairs and the comfortable areas aren't in the right space Mm. or if if it just doesn't feel comfortable to, to live in and you're not you don't feel yeah. necessarily happy when you know when you just walk in a room sometimes you think oh this is a really lovely room yeah a lot of it's to do with obviously the light and the color and sure. things like that yeah but a lot of it's actually to do with just the positioning is it feng shui is that a thing yes. <laughs> <laughs> I that
0: feel like <laughs> but like no you're right like when you um I guess I guess you're also trying to kind of there's a psychology to it as well mm. isn't there like we respond to certain spaces that make us feel safe and make us feel like cozy or whatever yeah. you know whatever the purpose is and we don't even realize we're doing it. it's like a subconscious kind of reaction to something so you're trying to tune into that which is very interesting so how easy is it to translate someone's personal vision and ideas into a functional space because you're dealing with your own ideas of what a space should be and also theirs that must be a little bit tricky
1: I think you just learn not to put your ideas before their ideas (laughs) sure yes Um, that's important yeah I think that a lot of interior designers probably you know, get a bit carried away, and they have like <laughs> yeah. this whole vision, which is lovely. Yeah, and it yeah, It comes yeah. down to what the client wants at the end of the day, right? Um, it though is quite easy as long as you have that dialogue at the beginning. Yes. Um,
0: do you have like a consistent dialogue though? Like you mentioned, some clients you can't be, you can't keep phoning them and stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you have like? How, what processes are you checking in with um, It's
1: presentations. Right. So, you know, you start off with, and like, a floor plan. And it, like, different I options see. for the floor plans. Different options for the concepts. Right. Different options for, like, the general design, like, you know, items and things. Yes. Um, and then it sort of narrows down to, like, they have to sign off each item like each right, chair and things okay. like that and making sure that everything it's a constant dialogue in that way but it's just you getting all your information together in the form of presentations yes and, um yeah, yeah, yeah. usually popping it across in an email yeah. or if you're lucky you can go and speak to them in person yeah. but often fact, people are too busy to do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: so how do you know when you've achieved what you wanted to do and the
1: design is finished is it hard to stop <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really cringy <laughs> I was told at uni, and this is what my, my, my teacher actually said to me. And she said that if your heart beats faster, you know, that, and it's such a good way. It's if the one. Is, yeah, <laughs> you if know your when heart you know. is beating faster, and you feel like a, there's a certain feeling you kind of get when you know that you just—it's just it's, just, yeah, and it's yeah. just comes together. And it usually comes from a lot of trial and error. Yes, a lot of sure, um, as with most creative ventures, I suppose. Yeah, I guess but even with painting and things, you're having to definitely paint yeah. over. For sure. And...
0: So what are the last things you do to make the space perfect at the
1: end? So I think one of them is bringing the art. That's just yes. making like rounding it off nicely with that. Yeah. And then things like throws and additional cushions if you realise yes. you need a pop somewhere oh, I
0: love a throw and a cushion <laughs> no, I really do It's really important <laughs> I got a bit <laughs> obsessed with buying them actually when I moved into my flat I yeah. was just like oh, I just need all the throws
1: <laughs> people do use them if they're there yeah. they use yeah, them yeah 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 um, and plants oh god plants. Also, so, some interior designers plants. don't like using plants but I'll put a plant really? yeah, just... no I love a plant
0: because it's like especially in London you feel like you don't see green enough so. yeah No,
1: it's just the colour that comes from a plant and just yeah. the, 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 the connotation of health and well-being absolutely Um, agree with
0: you so as an interior designer i'm sure people will be really interested to know what have you chosen in your own space how did you kind of design it or is it one of those things where you're like this is what I do for my job. I don't want to put any effort into it. That's what you we were talking about earlier.
1: It yeah. is partly It's partly, I feel almost ashamed when people come around to my house
0: because. And then you tell them what you do. I'm an
1: interior designer and the house does not look interior designed in the slightest. <laughs> oh dear. I go through phases of just being like, right, I need to sort this place out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. my general gist is anything green goes. Sure. Oh, I like that. Me too. I'm a big fan of green. I just love green. It goes with everything. So
0: lots of plants, I imagine. Lots of
1: plants. Great. So many plants. Love it. Um, Green cushions, green throws, green everything. Um, And then obviously lots of lovely colours. Yes. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like that.
0: So what artistic influences are exciting you right now? Because you mentioned a lot about how art plays a very vital role
1: in what you're doing. Um, I'm doing a lot of researching at the moment for this Instagram Yes, um, yeah. And something that I found which probably stands out to me um, quite a lot was the, it's, um, there's a lady called Kobe Cockburn and she's yeah. an Australian contemporary glass artist. Oh, wow. Um, and um, I think the conne- the collection that I'm talking about is called Innate Lines or something. It's oh, such a lovely cool. name. Um, How did you find it? Is it on her website or... Oh. God knows how I find anything nowadays. Things like Pinterest, you end up somewhere you have oh, no idea how you got hole. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just uh, it's made out of glass, and I don't know how she does it because it's in it's within a frame. It's flat, yeah. um, and it's just this beautiful color radiation going through wow Um, it's green and white oh very (laughs) cool so green's obviously grey yes Um, yeah 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 natural um, colours it's just it it evokes a sense of calm and serenity like it's really really peaceful it's just such a beautiful piece of art yeah um
0: So as a designer, and this has cropped up in a couple of my other interviews, um, how important are ethical kind of environmental um, and sustainability issues? Because I I know everyone's kind of, we're talking about it at the moment, which we absolutely Mm. should be. Um, Are there any ways in which you're able to sort of tackle those issues?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really big issue. And I think in the industry, it's not really spoken about enough. Oh, okay, That's Um, interesting. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that crops into my mind is the waste aspects. Like when I'm installing yes, a project, you sure. obviously have, you've basically purchased a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, and which you comes get with it,
1: packaging. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And once it's all in one room together, you sort of start to feel very guilty. Yeah. And yeah. you obviously recycle what you can. A lot, large chunk of it can be recycled. It's just about really sort of Nailing down the suppliers that are producing more ethically. Yes. Um, yeah. And maybe sort of getting a list together. That's the sort of yeah. thing I'm doing at the moment. Um, as you said, asking questions as well, which Yeah. Is... And then the other thing is um, sourcing locally. So obviously, that's really easy to do living yeah. in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many like <laughs> designers, craftspeople. And yeah, that's things. so true. So it's really easy to source locally in London. Yeah, um, yeah. And that is quite a good one. And also, antiques and things so many good antique like websites online and things and um, obviously again plenty in london so it makes it really easy there's no excuses well danielle
0: this has been such a pleasure um i have loved talking to you where can people go to uh find more information about you and see some of these concepts uh on their screens
1: (laughs) and the best way is probably instagram yes Um, we mentioned your uh, yes so grow underscore Great. Amazing. Danielle, thank you so much thank for talking for having to me. me. Thank you so
0: much. Now that is all we've got time for this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Art Vella Now with me.